I want to wish a, a welcome to those who are with us today through live streaming, because as I said, we will, we are live streaming our sermon. So if you are with us today at this point, thank you so much. Next week, we'll have someone online to interact with you. And so we just thank you for joining us today. You know, sometimes it's a very important thing to be paying attention. And, oh, you want me to talk about the candle. I'm so sorry about that. Let me interrupt myself for a moment. In our church, we light a candle every time somebody uh, in the past week comes to Christ and uh, receives the Lord as their Savior. And as you can see, we have a candle lit and we praise the Lord for that because last week we had someone come to the Lord. So as you can just tell right there, um, I sometimes have trouble with paying attention to the right thing. I'm usually, I have my attention on something, but a lot of times it's not on the right thing at the right time. I don't know if anybody else relates to me. I just still remember, you know, when I was a kid, I, especially when I was a child, man, I was just one of those kids that I would, I would be in class and, and my mind would be thousands of miles away and I wouldn't know, you know, what was going on in class because I was paying attention, but it was usually the squirrel outside the window or something like that that I was looking at. That was just, that's kind of how I'm wired. I still have that kind of thing. And I laughed because I, I saw a comedian not too awfully long ago, and he was about my age. And he was talking about when, when uh, they began to come up and, and publicly speak about the diagnosis of ADD and ADHD. We had never heard that terminology growing up. And he mentioned that. And he says, back then when I was a kid, you were B-A-D and they beat that out of you in school. That's, that's, <laughs> and, and see, that was, that's kind of my, my background. And I've always had that, uh, just as part of my life. I, I pay attention, but usually I'm paying attention to the wrong thing or often I am. It's sort of like the time when, um, at, at, at our house, when I grew up, I, I our house had, uh, a lot of property. So then when we had an extended family, family reunion type activity, they came to our house. We had a farm that we lived on, a small farm, and we had plenty of yard and we had a, a field out there. And so uh, one of the activities that we enjoyed as a family, we did some things together. But one of the things that happened were, were family softball games. So there would be a lot of people there and we would be playing softball. Now, I'm thinking about um, the time when I was between five and seven years old, somewhere in there, probably around seven. And you can guess where, what position they put. And, and I'm just going to confess to you what they called me back then, where they put Kenny. I was, Kenny was out in right field. Okay. They put me out there because I didn't know how to play ball when I was five or seven years old. I, I, I played, you know, through the ball back and forth with my brother and stuff, but I wasn't a good ball player. And so again, with my focus issues, right field seemed like a good place to put me. So I'm out there in right field and uh, in this particular day and, and the game is being played. And I, I don't know. I was paying attention. I was, but probably to the butterfly that was flying around me. I was paying attention to something. And I vaguely remember that while I was watching this thing, the, 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 the crack of the bat, you know, the sound of that. I vaguely remember uh, hearing people starting to yell and saying my name. And, and, and I didn't realize what was going on until the ball hit me square on top of my head. I mean, it just let... Like, 
pow, right off of the top of my head. And, and that kind of made me stagger a little bit. It was a little bit painful to happen. But I ran. They were yelling, throw it in, throw it in. And I said, what, my head? You know, but I ran. I got the ball and I threw it in. And so we, it must have been maybe an inning or two later and I'm back out in the field again. I'm in right field and, and I, I, I was paying attention. Probably to the dog across the street or something. I don't know. But but I was focused in on that thing. I was watching. I was paying attention. And and I vaguely remember the crack of the bat and the ball coming off of it. And I, I kind of remember people yelling my name again. And this time, they they almost got my full attention. And just as I looked up, the ball hit me right on the head again. Two, two times this happened. This one, my uncle hit it. It was sky high. And when it hit me, man, it hurt. And I, so I remember, I, I remember clearly crying and being embarrassed by this, but it pays, it, it pays to pay attention to the right thing. And see, I, last week we started a series and we, we called it, That's What He Said. And in this series, we're looking at some quotes of Jesus, things that Jesus Christ said. And I want to tell you that one of the key reasons why I felt like we needed to do this series is that what Jesus said really matters. The issue is so often is that we are so busy paying attention to other things that we miss the weightiness of the word of the Lord. You know, Peter once had it very well. He said it very well on the occasion that uh, Jesus had confronted a group of followers and with the truth and they all began to leave. And Jesus looks at his disciples and asks them directly, are you going to leave as well? And Peter worded it so well. They said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of life. You have the words of life. And I would suggest to you that what Jesus says matters. What Jesus says has a lot of weight. Peter was spot on. There's eternal weight. To what Jesus said. And we need to be paying attention to what he said. His words are worthy of our attention. Worthy of our consideration. Friends, they are life to us. So consider with me what he said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 through 23. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Does he have your attention yet? I can tell you that I'm tuned in to these weighty words. Frankly, in my estimation, everything that Jesus said is weighty. But these words, wow. Friends, we really need to perk up this morning and pay attention to what Jesus said here. And here is why I will be standing here this morning imploring you to be locked into these particular words of Jesus. I'm standing here doing this because of what's at stake. I've officiated a pretty good number of memorial services for families in my days of ministry as a pastor and as um, a minister. And I will tell you, in almost every single memorial service, I've heard someone say of the deceased to a relative, and I know they mean well, well, they're in a better place now. And I will say that if if the deceased went to heaven, that's certainly so. Heaven is much better than the earth. Amen? And I don't know about you, but this guy looks forward to the day when I get to be in heaven with the Lord. I really do. I'm excited for that day to happen for me. I'm not trying to rush God, but I'm ready when he's ready. Okay? And I I look forward. I know heaven is going to be a wonderful place to be. And I've been in services where I heard someone say that, and I thought to myself, because I knew their life, I knew their fruit, I thought to myself, yeah, For them, it sure is great. But I have to tell you, if that person who passed away did not go to heaven, they're not in a better place. It isn't better for them at all. They would be far better suffering on earth than where they are. I have to tell you, I don't recall meeting too many people who didn't want to go to heaven when they die. I believe that uh, most people that I've ever encountered would say, yes, I want to go to heaven. Now, I know that there are some people who don't believe in heaven, don't believe in hell. And so they don't believe in any kind of afterlife. And so they they would say something like, I don't want to go to heaven because it doesn't exist. But I haven't encountered a whole lot of people like that. Most people believe that something happens after death, that there's more than just this life here. Most people, at least in our society, do believe in, in heaven and hell. And pretty much every one of them would say, I want to go to heaven when I pass away. I can tell you that I don't recall anybody looking at me and say to me, you know what, I hope I go to hell when I die. If somebody were to say that to me, I would think the cheese slid off their cracker or they were a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. Because it just doesn't make sense to, to want that in your life. No, people want to go to heaven. So in this sermon, the Lord Jesus made it clear that some will go to heaven. When they die, but some will never enter into heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. These words haunt me. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. For any person, it doesn't get any more serious than that. And the stakes can't get any higher than that. That's why this message and what Jesus said, what he said, is so important to us. 
I want you to know, my friend, that you own nothing and have come into possession of nothing that is of greater value than your eternal soul. You gain possession of nothing of greater value than the soul that the Lord God has created you to have and be. And this is what Jesus told us when he asked the question in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, but you loses or forfeits his soul? And or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Maybe one day I'll preach a message around that one question. What will a man give in exchange for their soul? Because sadly, I have witnessed many people giving up really frivolous things for their own soul. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what's at stake here. Many people would call me old school in my thinking and preaching. And I have made the comment here recently that I'm becoming more and more of a dinosaur in the church of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you that I feel like that even in the Wesleyan church. And I love the Wesleyan church. But I will just tell you that what I'm preaching here today, as uncomfortable as it is for some, is not and not as often preached about today as it has been in the past. You see, when I was a teen, I heard a whole lot of sermons about sin and the rapture and the great white throne judgment and heaven and hell. I heard a whole lot of sermons on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ about a suffering on the cross and what he went through, his death and his resurrection. And when I was young, most preachers I heard preach would preach about how serious sin is. And how eminent the judgment is. And how close the second coming is. And how horrible and hot hell is. Heard a lot of sermons on eternal things like that. Preaching has changed a great deal since then in the church. There has been a pendulum swing towards the love and mercy and patience and kindness and grace of the Lord. There has also been an awful lot of sermons on abundant life that we can live here on earth that Jesus brings and his ability and his willingness to heal and his willingness and his ability to bless people. And there are a lot of sermons about relationships and coping with our own problems in life. And I will tell you that I'm glad that preaching moved a little bit more towards love, grace, mercy, of God. I'm glad that the preaching moved a little more towards offering hope to people and towards an emphasis on the most powerful relationship that we can be in, uh, the most powerful relationship a person can have with Jesus Christ. I, I think that the shift was needed, but the thing is, and this is strictly my opinion, the pendulum has swung a little too far in the church of Jesus Christ to the point where we're not hearing enough about what Jesus said about eternity. Eternal issues. In an effort to offer, uh, to avoid, I should say, offending people. In an effort to soften our edges and present a less emotional, more attractional gospel. More relational appeal to become a believer. We have all but ceased telling people that the stakes are high. And they can't get any higher. And we need the pendulum to swing back a little bit in the church, I believe. I'll say it to you plainly. The stakes couldn't be any higher. 
This is about your eternal destiny, what Jesus said. This is about the difference between spending eternity in heaven with the Lord or spending it apart from God in a place called hell. This is the difference between eternal joy and eternal torment forever and ever. We may not hear as much preaching on this as we used to, but I will tell you, brothers and sisters, from my point of view, my vantage point, the stakes are high. According to Answers.com, there are about two deaths for every second that ticks off the clock in the world. So for every second that goes by, two people slip into eternity. Every single second, 24 hours a day, two people slip into eternity. Literally an average of more than 155,000 people die every single day on earth. That's how fast people are slipping into eternity. When I saw the horrendous things that happened in Las Vegas last week, 58 people losing their lives, I had to ask myself, how many went to heaven? How many knew the Lord? If this sermon lasts 30 minutes, then about 3,600 people will slip into eternity while you're listening to me preach. Brothers and sisters, the stakes are high. And this should inform us as to who we are as an organization. More importantly, who we are as a congregation. Folks, I'm glad that you are here. And I'm glad for the honor and privilege of preaching to you. But I am aware that there are so many out there today who are lost. And they slip into eternity at an alarming rate. Every second, two people in the world are dying. And I have to wonder how many are going to be with the Lord when they slip out into eternity. We may not want to hear sermons like this anymore as much, but I have to tell you, it has to be preached because of what is at stake. And that's why it is important for us to hear what Jesus said and to be paying attention to his words today. I urge you to pay attention carefully to what he said because the, the wide gate and the broad road leads to hell. You see, friends, I don't like what Jesus told us here in these verses. He plainly said that many people will spend eternity without him in hell and few will find heaven. Only a few is how he worded it. I don't like that. But Jesus said it, so it's the truth. Now, I do understand that in your Bible, in my Bible, we are told when, when, when the Bible describes the people of God being together around the throne of God in Revelation, and, and it is described this way, that there were as many people as there are grains of sand on the sea. That as far as you can see, there are a lot of people. But just remember how many people have been born in this world. And when you do percentages, let me tell you, a vast majority of humanity will not be there. In heaven. That's scary. And that's what Jesus said on that day. We may not like it. But that's what he said. He said that very few. Find it. In, 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 when you're talking percentages. The sad reality is. Most people are on the broad road. 
The broad road philosophy is that there are lots of opportunities and lots of options and lots of beliefs that all lead to the same God and ultimately all lead to heaven. People from all over the world, from all kinds of religion and virtually every school of thought, in, according to the broad road philosophy, they'll all be in heaven. It really doesn't matter what you call him or her as long as we all serve the same God and he doesn't care what we or she doesn't care what we call that God. The broad road philosophy is often about being a good enough person. It says if I don't hurt anybody, if I'm more nice than I'm nasty, if I'm more considerate than selfish, if I'm more generous than I am stingy, I'll get to go to heaven. If I do good enough, if I do enough good things, I'll get to be in heaven. I can break God's law and yes, sin a little. But if I'm basically a good person, God is going to let me in. I can reinterpret and redefine what this book says and all of God's laws. And as long as I live a good life, and that's defined by me, I can, I can know that I'll get in. God wouldn't keep a good person out of heaven. And I will say to you that that's the truth. But here's the thing. Jesus said that there's no one good except God. So the good person myth is just that. It's a myth. Left to our own devices, there's nobody here that's a good person. That's what the Bible said. That's what the the Lord said. And so the philosophy of the broad road is that if I'm a good person, I'm okay. I can go to church. I can put money in an offering plate. I can pray every day to God. But I don't have to be one of those fanatical people like the preacher and some of the other people at that church. Because I'm a good person, I'll get in. I'll call him Lord. I'll even do some ministry for him. A loving God doesn't put anybody in hell. That is the philosophy that is found on the broad road. When Satan has someone believing the good person myth, he has them right where he wants them. Firmly ensconced on the broad road. It's a wide road. And almost anything can go on the broad road. Jesus said something startling about all of this. He told us that the destination of good people is also the destination of the bad person because it's a broad road and everyone on that road is headed to destruction. You may not like it and I may not like it. It may not be popular to hear these days, but we better be paying attention because that's what he said. Once we leave this life, my friends, Our eternal destiny is determined. And we're not changing it. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I don't want to offend anybody needlessly. But somebody still alive on earth praying for you isn't going to change your eternal destiny. Not too many people like that. And not as many preachers are exclaiming it as used to be. But it's the absolute truth. Friends, God can't be fooled. And God won't be mocked. And in judgment, God will not show favoritism. Broad road, wide gate. I want you to pay attention to these words because the small gate and the narrow road leads to heaven. The small gate is Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 10, verses 1 through 7 will appear to for you on the screen. You'll get to see what it says. And when you get to the seventh verse, you will see that Jesus looked at the, uh, those he was speaking to, and he said it this way, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And I need to say this loud and clearly for you. Without Jesus, no matter what other people think and without, no matter what they tell you and no matter how good they are, no matter what other religion they devote themselves to, no person can enter into heaven without Jesus Christ. Period. They will go into hell unless they enter heaven through the only gate, Jesus. There is no other name given on earth or in heaven, whereby people must be saved. And there is no other option. What I have just told you infuriates a lot of people. And they would look at me and label me as an intolerant bigot. They would say I'm ignorant and that I'm judgmental and I'm narrow-minded. And they would say that the way I interpret the Bible is very close-minded and the things that I have said. They would tell you that I'm interpreting the Bible's words too literally. And they will say that the Bible doesn't teach that. And to their charges, I would say I'm guilty as charged as to being narrow-minded. Because I believe Jesus said it. I didn't hear him stuttering. I didn't hear him wavering. I didn't hear him making exceptions. I believe that I'm not worth the the shoes I'm standing in as a pastor if I don't look you in the eye and tell you, you won't go to heaven without Jesus Christ. You don't go through any other gate. There is no other one. There is no other way. You see, the reason I'm so convinced of this is one day... I was taken off of that broad road through Jesus. And he placed me on a narrow road. And I thank the Lord that I'm on it. It's narrow. It's straight. It doesn't take me on some kind of scenic tour. It doesn't twist. It doesn't turn. I can see ahead of me on the horizon where I'm headed. I don't have to guess. There isn't some blind corner for me. Heaven is waiting for me. And I clearly know that I'm going to be going there. There is not room on this narrow road for me to swerve into intentional sin. To go to the left or go to the right isn't an option for me. I am convinced that I need to stay on this road. It's straight. And my destination is right in front of me. There's not room for me to believe in another religion or fit into another philosophy on this room there is road there is one god with one name one way to get to heaven and it does matter what i call him on this road i worship the lord and it does matter who i pray to it does matter who i worship and it does matter what i believe and i can't be overly concerned of how offensive that is to the world because i'm on the narrow road i'm on the straight road and god doesn't apologize for it i have to be careful to stay on this road the road is straight and the gate is narrow but let me tell you there is no other road i want to be on It's a wonderful road. It's the road I was designed to be on. You see, I like speed. And when you're on a straight road, you can fly. 
And let me tell you, it's an awesome event, adventure to be on this road. It's exhilarating. It's a road of joy. It's a road of peace. It's a road with the companionship of the Lord God himself. He is here on this road with me. It is a road of love. It is a road of mercy. It's where people belong to be. You can come up, brother. It is a road where a person discovers what I'm telling you about here. We find out why we were made and what we were made for when we get on this road. When you've been on the broad road, it's sort of a meandering, crowded road. And you're going fast sometimes and you're going slow other times. And you don't know what direction you're headed. But when you get on the narrow, man, you are flying. It is is an incredibly wonderful place to be. And I tell you, we better be paying attention to the words of Jesus Christ. Because it does matter. And it is important for us to know where we are. Brothers and sisters, it's one small gate. Jesus Christ. And it's one narrow way. The way of Christ. And there is no other way. I don't regret getting on this road. I love it. I don't know anybody who's truly on this road ever said to me, ever, I don't want to be on this road. I don't like this road. I don't know anybody like that. People need to know, church, that this road is there. Church, they need to know how wonderful it is. Because, you know what? I'm glad that I have in sight for me glory and heaven, and a hope. But my life on this road is great. So can I tell you that? I like this road, and I'm good on this road until I get there. It's a good journey. It's a good journey. And I want you to be on it. And I want our community to know about this road. I want them to know about Jesus. What I preach to you today is what he said. And what I shared with you today is what Jesus said. Yes, they're alarming words, and there are times when they hurt me to read only a few. Only a few. I feel so blessed that I'm one on that road. That the Lord let me in. That He got the gospel into these ears and into this heart. I don't know why God is so good to me, but thank God He is. Amen? If you're on that road, you got gratitude just, just bubbling up right now. And it would be okay to praise God for it. Amen? It would be an appropriate thing. Two things. Two things I want to say. I want to talk to anybody who knows, as I have preached this message, that the road you are on is the broad road. You're not on this road that's narrow. You're on that broad road. And I want to say to you just what Jesus said, that that road is inevitably leading to destruction eternal damnation and I I didn't say this just to scare you I said it to tell you the truth because I'm not worth anything as a pastor if I don't tell you the truth and I'm, I, I implore you please be paying attention to the right thing today please pay attention to his words they're his words are you on the right road if you're not, you can be. Here's what I love about Jesus. You simply begin to trust in him. You call on that wonderful name. 
You say, oh Lord, I know you're the son of God. And I know you love me. And I know that what you did on the Christ, on the cross, Christ, what you did there included me. That your blood was shed for me and that you know how to take my sins away. And you can lift me off of this crazy road I'm on and put me on the straight road, the narrow road. And you can make my life new again. Jesus, I surrender to your will. I give you my life. I want to be on the narrow road. I want to talk to you and challenge you. Please pray that to the Lord. Please lift that up to God if that's your heart. Because he will hear you. I know because the word of God says if anyone comes to me, Jesus said, I would in no wise cast them out. If you come like that and you're ready to be on the straight and narrow road, he is poised to do that for you. Call out to him. Ask him for it. I want to talk to you who are Christians. Listen, church, we're running out of time. And there is a world on a broad road. Our country is on the broad road. And we are supposed to tell people about Jesus. And if I'm looking into the eyes of Christians who are timid and afraid to ever, ever discuss Jesus with someone who is afraid to do anything and you're just content. I'm just on the road and I'm glad. I want to tell you, you're not bringing glory to God if you are unwilling to let people know about your Savior. You're not. And it isn't pleasing to Him. So I'm begging you, what is your part in helping our church and helping your community of believers? What is your part in helping us get the message out and helping us reach lost people who's in your life that you have more influence over than anybody else does Christian who has God put in your life that you have the ability to speak to if you only will I'm asking you to consider where you are on that road and if you're not doing very well I'm asking you to do a bold thing today Christian I'm asking you to say Lord I'm so sorry I should be telling people about you. The stakes are high. Will you please begin, oh God, to open up opportunities for me to say something? Will you please move on my heart to pray for lost people? Will you please turn my attention to the eternal, oh God, and forgive me and give me courage to do what I'm supposed to do, what you lead me to do. Don't worry about what this preacher's telling you. Ask God what he would have you to do about the fact that you have people in your life that you love who are lost. And then start to do it. I dare you to ask God to give you opportunity to share Christ with the lost. He will do it for you. Those are the two groups of people that I wanted to speak to today. So your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. And I wonder if there's anybody who, as I was speaking, you recognize you are on the broad road and you want to leave that road. And you you maybe have already prayed, but you are praying for the Lord to forgive you, to come into your heart and to put you on the the straight, narrow road. Here's what I'm asking you to do. It's It's a bold thing. I'm asking you to quietly stand to your feet to acknowledge to God, I don't want to be on the broad road anymore. I want to be on the narrow road and I'm giving my life to Christ. 
I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody is looking. And when you stand in a little bit, I'm going to let you sit right back down. But I want you to make that step so that it's, it's cemented in your heart. I have done that this morning. I have surrendered to Christ this very morning. Keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. We have some standing. I need you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. In respect, I surrender to the Lord. You may sit back down. Thank you so much. Christian, it's your turn. Would you stand and by standing indicate I'm asking God to embolden me and help me to help people on the broad road to find them the narrow road. I'm asking God to give me the boldness I need to share Christ. I'm not doing very well at it, but I want to do it. Would you just stand quietly before the Lord? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. We want to respect one another. This is what I'm asking God to help me to do. Thank you. You may be seated. I took a few extra minutes today because I know that this is an important thing that Jesus said. Oh, God in heaven, thank you for three people who stood this morning to say, I'm done with the broad road and I want to walk on the straight, narrow road with Christ. I want my sins forgiven. I want to surrender to Christ. And I thank you for the three who stood to say, today is the day. And I thank you. I know the moment they obeyed you, the moment they did, you swept in and took their sins away. You washed them and you made them clean. And what they did in the past is gone and it doesn't define them. What defines them is that they belong to you. What defines them is the blood of Christ, that they are redeemed and they are in your family. And Father, we rejoice. We praise your name that three more names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Father. And I thank you for the several Christians who said, you know what? I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to just stand by. I need God's help to tell people about Christ. I pray, Lord, you would create a boldness in us. Just like you answered that prayer in Acts chapter 4, I pray you answer that prayer for us. And you give us a boldness to share Christ. Bless us now, Lord, as we leave this place. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We pray, Lord, that today would be a great day in you. In Christ's name, amen.